chapter twenty four of recollections and letters of general robert e lee by robert e lee jr this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty four last days letter to his wife to mr taggart obituary notice and personal reminiscences of general robert e lee mrs lee's account of his death the following is the last letter that i can find written by my father to my mother he was back in lexington early in september and was never separated from her again while he lived hot springs august twenty seventh eighteen seventy my dear mary i have received your letter of the twenty second i should remain here a week longer if time permitted as i have felt in the last few days better than i have yet but i am obliged to be in staunton on the thirtieth and therefore must leave monday the twenty ninth i should not have time to return here the college opens on september fifteenth and i wish to see that all things are prepared possibly the little improvement now felt will continue if not i shall have to bear my malady i am truly sorry to hear of edwin lee's death footnote colonel edwin gray lee was a near cousin he had distinguished himself in the late war at its commencement he had volunteered and was made a second lieutenant in the second virginia regiment stonewall brigade from that rank he quickly rose to be lieutenant-colonel of the thirty-third virginia in the same brigade in eighteen sixty two his health which was very feeble compelled him to resign but after a short time he again entered the service though he never became strong enough to serve actively in the field general lee's opinion of his abilities was very high End note. he was a true man and if health had permitted would have been an ornament as well as a benefit to his race he certainly was a great credit to the name give my sincere sympathy to his wife and family you have never mentioned anything of dr graham i have heard that he was in a critical condition i saw colonels allen and johnston they only stayed a day and went on to the white i have heard of them on their return and presume they will reach lexington to-morrow mr george taylor who has been a month at the white arrived here to-day both he and his wife are well the company is thinning though arrivals occur daily mr middleton and his daughter and son from washington whom you may recollect also came but i hope to see you so soon that i will defer my narrative i am glad that mary is enjoying herself and that rob is so happy may both long continue so i will endeavour to get the muslin but i fear i shall not succeed i trust i may not be detained in staunton more than a day or two in that event you may expect me thursday september first but i cannot say as to time i hope that i shall find you all well give my love to agnes and mildred and custis if he has arrived colonel turner is very well tell his wife that he was exhibited to-day at the healing as a specimen of the health of the hot in my last i gave you my views about the servants and sent you a check for blank which i hope that you have received most truly and affectionately r e lee his last letter was written on the morning of the day he was taken ill september twenty eighth it was to mr taggart of baltimore at whose home he had stayed the previous summer its tone was cheerful and hopeful and he wrote that he was much better and stronger lexington virginia september twenty eighth eighteen seventy my dear mr taggart your note of the twenty sixth reached me this morning and see how easy it is to inveigle me into a correspondence 
in fact when a man desires to do a thing or when a thing gives a man pleasure he requires but small provocation to induce him to do it now i wanted to hear how you and mrs taggart were what you were doing and how you had passed the summer and i desired to tell you so that is the reason i write in answer to your question i reply that i am much better i do not know whether it is owing to having seen you and dr buckler last summer or to my visit to the hot springs perhaps both but my pains are less and my strength greater in fact i suppose i am as well as i shall be i am still following dr b s directions and in time i may improve still more i expect to have to visit baltimore this fall in relation to the valley railroad and in that event i hope to see you if you will permit me i am glad to hear that you spent a pleasant summer colonel and i would have had a more agreeable one had you been with us at the hot and as every place agrees so well with mrs taggart i think she could have enjoyed as good health there as at saratoga and we should have done better give my sincere regards to mrs taggart and remember me to all friends particularly mr blank tell blank his brother is well and handsome and i hope that he will study or his sweethearts in baltimore will not pine for him long captain blank is well and busy and joins in my remembrances mrs lee and my daughters unite with me in messages to you and mrs taggart and i am most truly yours r e lee s h taggart esq when my brother fitzhugh and i reached lexington my father was no more he died the morning of our arrival october twelfth he had apparently improved after his first attack and the summoning of my brother and myself had been put off from day to day after we did start we were delayed by the floods which at that time prevailed over the state of his last illness and death i have heard from my family the best account of those last days was written by colonel william preston johnston for the personal reminiscences of general robert e lee by the rev j w jones published in eighteen seventy four colonel johnston was an intimate friend of the general and a distinguished member of the faculty of his college he was also one of the watchers by his dying bedside i therefore give it in full the death of general lee was not due to any sudden cause but was the result of agencies dating as far back as eighteen sixty three in the trying campaign of that year he contracted a severe sore throat that resulted in rheumatic inflammation of the sac enclosing the heart there is no doubt that after this sickness his health was more or less impaired and although he complained little yet rapid exercise on foot or on horseback produced pain and difficulty in breathing in october eighteen sixty nine he was again attacked by inflammation of the heart sac accompanied by muscular rheumatism of the back right side and arms the action of the heart was weakened by this attack the flush upon the face was deepened the rheumatism increased and he was troubled with weariness and depression in march eighteen seventy general lee yielding to the solicitations of friends and medical advisers made a six weeks visit to georgia and florida he returned greatly benefited by the influence of the genial climate the society of friends in those states and the demonstrations of respect and affection of the people of the south his physical condition however was not greatly improved 
during this winter and spring he had said to his son general custis lee that his attack was mortal and had virtually expressed the same belief to other trusted friends and now with that delicacy that pervaded all his actions he seriously considered the question of resigning the presidency of washington college fearful that he might not be equal to his duties after listening however to the affectionate remonstrances of the faculty and board of trustees who well knew the value of his wisdom in the supervision of the college and the power of his mere presence and example upon the students he resumed his labors with the resolution to remain at his post and carry forward the great work he had so auspiciously begun during the summer he spent some weeks at the hot springs of virginia using the baths and came home seemingly better in health and spirits he entered upon the duties of the opening collegiate year in september with that quiet zeal and noiseless energy that marked all his actions and an unusual elation was felt by those about him at the increased prospect that long years of usefulness and honor would yet be added to his glorious life wednesday september twenty eighth eighteen seventy found general lee at the post of duty in the morning he was fully occupied with the correspondence and other tasks incident to his office of president of washington college and he declined offers of assistance from members of the faculty of whose services he sometimes availed himself after dinner at four o'clock he attended a vestry meeting of grace episcopal church the afternoon was chilly and wet and a steady rain had set in which did not cease until it resulted in a great flood the most memorable and destructive in this region for a hundred years the church was rather cold and damp and general lee during the meeting sat in a pew with his military cape cast loosely about him in a conversation that occupied the brief space preceding the call to order he took part and told with marked cheerfulness of manner and kindliness of tone some pleasant anecdotes of bishop meade and chief justice marshall the meeting was protracted until after seven o'clock by a discussion touching the rebuilding of the church edifice and the increase of the rector's salary general lee acted as chairman and after hearing all that was said gave his own opinion as was his wont briefly and without argument he closed the meeting with a characteristic act the amount required for the minister's salary still lacked a sum much greater than general lee's proportion of the subscription in view of his frequent and generous contributions to the church and other charities but just before the adjournment when the treasurer announced the amount of the deficit still remaining general lee said in a low tone i will give that sum he seemed tired toward the close of the meeting and as was afterward remarked showed an unusual flush but at the time no apprehensions were felt general lee returned to his house and finding his family waiting tea for him took his place at the table standing to say grace the effort was vain the lips could not utter the prayer of the heart finding himself unable to speak he took his seat quietly and without agitation his face seemed to some of the anxious group about him to wear a look of sublime resignation and to evince a full knowledge that the hour had come when all the cares and anxieties of this crowded life were at an end his physicians doctors h s barton and r l madison arrived promptly applied the usual remedies and placed him upon the couch from which he was to rise no more 
to him henceforth the things of this world were as nothing and he bowed with resignation to the command of the master he had followed so long with reverence the symptoms of his attack resembled concussion of the brain without the attendant swoon there was a marked debility a slightly impaired consciousness and a tendency to doze but no paralysis of motion or sensation and no evidence of suffering or inflammation of the brain his physicians treated the case as one of venous congestion and with apparently favourable results yet despite these propitious auguries drawn from his physical symptoms in view of the great mental strain he had undergone the gravest fears were felt that the attack was mortal he took without objection the medicines and diet prescribed and was strong enough to turn in bed without aid and to sit up to take nourishment during the earlier days of his illness though inclined to doze he was easily aroused was quite conscious and observant evidently understood whatever was said to him and answered questions briefly but intelligently he was however averse to much speaking generally using monosyllables as had always been his habit when sick when first attacked he said to those who were removing his clothes pointing at the same time to his rheumatic shoulder you hurt my arm although he seemed to be gradually improving until october tenth he apparently knew from the first that the appointed hour had come when he must enter those dark gates that closing open no more to earth in the words of his physician he neither expected nor desired to recover when general custis lee made some allusion to his recovery he shook his head and pointed upward on the monday morning before his death dr madison finding him looking better tried to cheer him how do you feel to-day general general lee replied slowly and distinctly i feel better the doctor then said you must make haste and get well traveller has been standing so long in the stable that he needs exercise the general made no reply but slowly shook his head and closed his eyes several times during his illness he put aside his medicine saying it is of no use but yielded patiently to the wishes of his physicians or children as if the slackened cords of being still responded to the touch of duty or affection on october tenth during the afternoon his pulse became feeble and rapid and his breathing hurried with other evidences of great exhaustion about midnight he was seized with a shivering from extreme debility and dr barton felt obliged to announce the danger to the family on october the eleventh he was evidently sinking his respiration was hurried his pulse feeble and rapid though less observant he still recognized whoever approached him but refused to take anything unless prescribed by his physicians it now became certain that the case was hopeless his decline was rapid yet gentle and soon after nine o'clock on the morning of october twelfth he closed his eyes and his soul passed peacefully from earth general lee's physicians attributed his death in great measure to moral causes the strain of his campaigns the bitterness of defeat aggravated by the bad faith and insolence of the victor sympathy with the subsequent sufferings of the southern people and the effort at calmness under these accumulated sorrows seemed the sufficient and the real causes that slowly but steadily undermined his health and led to his death 
yet to those who saw his composure under the greater and lesser trials of life and his justice and forbearance with the most unjust and uncharitable it seemed scarcely credible that his serene soul was shaken by the evil that raged around him general lee's closing hours were consonant with his noble and disciplined life never was more beautifully displayed how a long and severe education of mind and character enables the soul to pass with equal step through this supreme ordeal never did the habits and qualities of a lifetime solemnly gathered into a few last sad hours more grandly maintain themselves amid the gloom and shadow of approaching death the reticence the self-contained composure the obedience to proper authority the magnanimity and the christian meekness that marked all his actions still preserved their sway in spite of the inroads of disease and the creeping lethargy that weighed down his faculties as the old hero lay in the darkened room or with the lamp and the hearth-fire casting shadows upon his calm noble front all the massive grandeur of his form and face and brow remained and death seemed to lose its terrors and to borrow a grace and dignity in sublime keeping with the life that was ebbing away the great mind sank to its last repose almost with the equal poise of health the few broken utterances that evinced at times a wandering intellect were spoken under the influence of the remedies administered but as long as consciousness lasted there was evidence that all the high controlling influences of his whole life still ruled and even when stupor was laying its cold hand on the intellectual perceptions the moral nature with its complete orb of duties and affections still asserted itself a southern poet has celebrated in song those last significant words strike the tent and a thousand voices were raised to give meaning to the uncertain sound when the dying man said with emphasis tell hill he must come up these sentences serve to show most touchingly through what fields the imagination was passing but generally his words though few were coherent but for the most part indeed his silence was unbroken this self-contained reticence had an awful grandeur in solemn accord with a life that needed no defence deeds which required no justification must speak for him his voiceless lips like the shut gates of some majestic temple were closed not for concealment but because that within was holy could the eye of the morning watcher have pierced the gloom that gathered about the recesses of that great soul it would have perceived a presence there full of an ineffable glory leaning trustfully upon the all-sustaining arm the man whose stature measured by mortal standards seemed so great passed from this world of shadows to the realities of the hereafter a letter from my mother to a dear friend tells the same sad story my husband came in we had been waiting tea for him and i remarked you have kept us waiting a long time where have you been he did not reply but stood up as if to say grace yet no word proceeded from his lips and he sat down in his chair perfectly upright and with a sublime air of resignation on his countenance and did not attempt to a reply to our inquiries 
that look was never to be forgotten and i have no doubt he felt that his hour had come for though he submitted to the doctors who were immediately summoned and who had not even reached their homes from the same vestry meeting yet his whole demeanour during his illness showed one who had taken leave of earth he never smiled and rarely attempted to speak except in his dreams and then he wandered to those dreadful battlefields once when agnes urged him to take some medicine which he always did with reluctance he looked at her and said it is no use but afterward he took it when he became so much better the doctor said you must soon get out and ride your favorite gray he shook his head most emphatically and looked upward he slept a great deal but knew us all greeted us with a kindly pressure of the hand and loved to have us around him for the last forty-eight hours he seemed quite insensible of our presence he breathed more heavily and at last sank to rest with one deep-drawn sigh and oh what a glorious rest was in store for him end of chapter twenty four end of recollections and letters of general robert e lee by robert e lee jr